Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Verity Vitamins. My name is Benjamin Pace, and I'm actually starting a new series on the Verity Vitamins segment. Um, This is something that's been on my heart for a while that I really wanted to get into, and I don't know that I've had a lot of opportunity to really dig into this subject as much as I've wanted to. We've covered a lot of topics on the podcast in general and on the Verity Vitamins segment, and kind of to just reiterate what Verity Vitamins is all about. I especially like to do this at the beginning of a new series. You may have noticed that I tend to do more series on the Verity Vitamins segment, whereas on the podcast, a lot of times we may have a theme that goes for a few weeks or even a few months, but they're usually more standalone topics, standalone subjects uh, with their own kind of title and, and they're unique. And I like that about the full-length podcast. But with the Verity Vitamins segment, I, I almost treat it more like a, like I would a, a daily broadcast or a daily devotional kind of thing. But specifically, the purpose of it is to look at topics that people are confused about, look at topics that have been um, laced with a lot of religion <laughs> and a lot of opinion, and that we have maybe had some wrong mentality surrounding. And we want to renew our mind with the Word of God. And the reason why I've called it Verity Vitamins is because it's more of a supplement rather than a main course, if that makes sense. You know, you you have your normal diet, the food you eat every day, but then you have vitamins that you take to supplement things. And so these are shorter, they're smaller, Um, you know, they're more bite-sized, if you will. And it's like taking a spiritual vitamin. We're looking at things that maybe we've been deficient in. We're looking at things that maybe we've thought wrong about. And we're endeavoring to renew our mind by the Word of God. And the the phrase uh, verity vitamins, well, uh, the word verity, it, it comes up a few times in the Bible in different forms. You see Jesus talks about uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, you've probably heard that before, and you may have an idea of what that means, but specifically Paul, I can't think of the reference right at the top of my head, but Paul said, I am a preacher of truth and verity, or was it faith and verity? I don't even know. I need to go back and look at it, but he said it. I'll look it up and, and say it on the next podcast, but he said, I'm a, I'm a teacher of verity, and verity has to do with truth. It has to do with uh, integral. And so the Bible talks about studying to show yourself approved that you may not be ashamed. You can be a workman who's not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so the reason why I do more series on this segment is because I want to take time to really kind of dissect and and examine what the Bible is saying about each subject. And we'll, we'll spend a few weeks on one subject, kind of just digging into it even though these are shorter segments, and endeavoring to do exactly that, rightly dividing the word of truth. So as you may notice, the title of the podcast is Poor No More, and this is actually the title of the series. And this part one, I want to talk about what I believe is the foundation of coming out of poverty. Now, um, there's a lot of people that have put a lot of emphasis on uh, prosperity gospel and preaching about prosperity and preaching about um, seeking prosperity and 
a lot of people call it, you know, the money gospel or the American gospel or whatever the case is. But I felt impressed to approach this from a different perspective. Um, I've I've talked about what I believe about that subject, and uh, there are things that are absolutely right and good that have been preached about the subject of prosperity, and there are definitely some things that have gotten off and have gotten into extremes and and wrong focuses. Of course, with anything, you're always going to have bad tares among good wheat. And uh, I've talked about that several times in the past on the podcast, but I want to approach this from a different perspective. I I don't want to focus so much on the coming into prosperity part as I want to focus on the coming out of poverty part. Um, Because the first step before you can even talk about succeeding and prospering in an area, you have to talk about how to come out of the failure. (laughs) And that's not in any way to say um, that I have a negative opinion toward the subject of prosperity. I do not, um, just to be very clear about it. But I felt impressed to, in this series, focus more on the side of coming out of poverty. And that's that's something that I think most people will agree they don't want to be in that place. There are some people who still have that idea that if you're going to serve God, you've got to take a vow of poverty. But most people, at least, even if they don't subscribe to the idea of, of prosperity, they would at least agree that it's not good to be impoverished and that it's not good to not be able to feed and clothe your family. <laughs> and so that's kind of the focus on this series is coming out of poverty. And as the series continues, we'll get more into how that translates into coming into godly prosperity. But I want to talk about how to be poor no more. And in this first episode, we're going to talk about what I believe is the foundational principle of coming out of poverty. Now, if you've heard some messages like this, you you may think you know what I'm going to talk about today. And and I'm actually going to go a direction maybe you weren't expecting. If if you're familiar with this topic, um, there is what I would consider the first principle of prosperity, of godly prosperity, of of prospering in God. And I'm going to talk about that, but I'm actually going to talk about that in the next podcast. Because I think there's actually something that comes before that And that's what we're going to talk about today. This is the foundation. It's not necessarily the first principle, but it is the foundation. Because if we don't have this, then we won't have the other. And that is knowing God's will concerning you and your life and poverty. If you believe that it's God's will for you to be in poverty and to be in lack and to be impoverished, It doesn't matter what principle you uh, subscribe to. It doesn't matter what uh, steps you take or baby steps you take to try and get out of the hole, so to speak. If you are not convinced that it is, number one, okay with God that you come out of poverty, and number two, that God wants you to come out of poverty, then you're going to be limited. It doesn't matter what principle we want to talk about in the word. The Bible says if you don't mix faith with the word, it won't profit you. So I want to talk about God's will concerning us coming up and out of poverty. Um, There's a lot of people that would say that the first step to coming out of poverty is having $1,000 in your bank account or having a detailed uh, budgeting plan 
or even tithing. Well, we're going to talk about tithing, and it's important. But even if you tithe and are not convinced that God wants you to come out of poverty, again, if you don't mix faith with the word, if you don't believe that God wants you to prosper, if you don't believe what Malachi chapter 3 says, which is, if you will prove me with the tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven to you. If you don't believe that the whole reason God wants us to put him first in our finances is so that he can bless us in that area. If you're not convinced of that, even if you technically do the action of tithing, it still is not going to profit you. Jesus told the Pharisees, you tithe, but your heart's wrong. You're doing it after the flesh, but your heart's wrong. And none of those things will work without faith. And we have to have faith in God and his good will toward us. Look at this in 1 John 5, 14. It says, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. You know, confidence has to do with boldness. The Bible tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. And boldness comes from knowing God's will. Confidence comes from knowing his will. And if you are not convinced that God's will for you is to come out of poverty and to stop being poor, if you're not convinced of that, then you've already pulled the rug out from under yourself. You don't have confidence. You don't have boldness to come up and come out of it. You've got to start with being convinced that, number one, it's okay. I have God's permission to come out of poverty. And number two, I have God's will. His will and desire is for me to come up and come out of poverty. You know, um, this is something we're going to talk about later. Coming out of poverty is not the result of somebody giving you a large chunk of money. Are you winning the lottery? That will not bring you out of poverty because the truth is poverty is a mindset and a lifestyle that has to be broken. It's a cycle that has to be broken. And we don't just want to find out, you know, how can we get a big chunk that's going to give us some temporary reprieve. We want to find out how to change our lifestyle, which will enable us to come out of poverty and stay out of poverty. That's what the book of Proverbs talks about over and over again, not just how to temporarily get some relief financially, but how to come out and stay out. And it has to do with lifestyle changes. It has to do with mindset changes. And the first thing you have to change if you're not already convinced of this is you must believe that God desires for you to be free from poverty. And if you're questioning whether or not God is using poverty in your life to teach you something or that it may not be his will for you to come up and come out of it, then your faith is undermined. And without faith, you cannot overcome anything in the world that is not of God or that's of the curse. And that's what poverty is. Poverty is a part of the curse. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, you see that poverty is a part of the curse. And the Bible says in Galatians that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So when you understand that, you can become convinced that God does not want you to live in lack, in poverty, in not having enough. You say, well, well, what if God's trying to teach me a valuable lesson? Well, you can learn the valuable lesson, but that doesn't mean that God's wanting you to not have enough. God can teach you the lesson without you 
not being able to pay your bills. You don't have to have no money in order to learn not to love money. You know, there's a lot of people that don't have any money and yet they love money. Well, if that's the case, then you can have some money and not love it and not hold it with a tight gra gra gru well, gra grip grasp i was trying to say grab and <laughs> i was trying to say grip and then grasp at the same time and it came out as grisp grisp maybe that's you know that's a new word that's okay and you know there's a difference between god not wanting you poor and god being able to entrust you with great amounts of money because he knows you'll obey him with it that's not something that he will do with everybody and that's not something that it's his will for everybody to do because they're they're not faithful with it it now it is his will for people to become faithful so he can entrust more to them and there's also people that have a lot of money and they didn't get it from god because there is a real principle and a real truth that it is better to live in a house made out of grass and have love in that house than to live in a nice house full of strife but that doesn't mean that it's God's will for you to live in a shack. He's just giving you a value system that it, having rich relationships that are full of the love of God are more valuable than having strife in your house and having a big, nice house. And that's true. It's better to be living in the love of God and not have a lot than to have a bunch of stuff, but your relationship with God be not where it's supposed to be. Jesus said that it's better. Um, for that than to not be rich toward God. In Luke 12, he said, uh, that man had all this stuff, but he wasn't rich toward God. But Jesus did not say, take heed and beware of riches. When you read Luke chapter 12, he did not tell that man who came and said, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He did not say, uh, take heed and beware of money because money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And he told that man in Luke 12, he said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Take heed and beware of covetousness. Uh, something that we have to understand is God is not opposed to us being rich. He is not opposed to us having a full supply. He's not opposed to us doing well financially. If he was, then he wouldn't have given us principles in the word that would enable us to be financially strong. Now, again, being financially strong is not just about having a chunk of money come in. It's about a lifestyle. It's about how you live, how you treat money. And God's not opposed to us being strong financially. He is opposed to us being covetous. And that's the big thing that we have to understand. God's against covetousness. He's against us loving money. And, you know, that's why uh, there is some testing and stewardship involved in being entrusted with more. You know, a parent may not release an inheritance to a child who's not ready for it, but that doesn't mean the parent doesn't want that child fed well and clothed well and housed well and driving good, you know, vehicles and aren't going to break down on them and leave them stranded in a bad place, you know, just because you can't entrust somebody with more doesn't mean you want them to be impoverished. Look at this in Matthew 6, 28. It says, why do you take thought for your clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Again, uh, God is not against you being clothed well. He said, how much more will he clothe you? He wasn't talking about quantity. He was talking about the quality of Solomon's clothes. He's talking about the quality of the lilies of the field. He wasn't referring to quantity there. He's referring to quality. And he said, how much more will he clothe you? Now, it's true that Peter tells us not to be obsessed with our outward appearance and to be more concerned with the, the inward man and having a meek and quiet spirit. But that doesn't mean that you have to be dressing in rags. That doesn't mean God is glorified by us wearing you know, brown clothes or gray clothes and just the ugliest thing. No, that doesn't give him glory. And God doesn't clothe any of his other creation that way. He doesn't require any of his other creation to be boring and ugly and blah, blah. No, all of creation is clothed beautifully. Why wouldn't God want his children clothed well? He said, I will clothe you better than I clothe my creation. Why? Because his will for you is to look good. <laughs> He's not against that. In Psalm 35, 27, uh, it says, Let them rejoice and shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, I'm just reading verses to you that confirm that it's God's will for you to come out of poverty. In Isaiah 61, verse 1, in the New Living Translation, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. You say, well, Ben, he's talking about the spiritually poor. Well, that's true. Of course he is. But you got to understand that natural poverty is the fruit of the spiritual root of poverty. It's the same curse that's listed in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and it produces that. Now, it's true that we should learn to be content in all circumstances. And you can have a rich relationship with God, even if things don't look great in the natural. That's absolutely true. And yet he still said, I've got good news for you. Even if that's where you are, even if you're in that place right now, I've got good news. And can I tell you what good news is not? Your card was declined. <laughs> An insufficient funds notice was posted to your account. You missed your payment. You know, an eviction notice is on your door. Your account is overdrawn. You've exceeded your credit limit. That's not good news. And that's not what he came to report to you, to proclaim to you. What is good news? Good news is you received a direct deposit. You know, good news is uh, somebody paid you $1,000 on Cash App. That's good news. You know, your credit score went up again. That's good news. And what's funny is how foreign that kind of stuff sounds to people. Who have not experienced it. A lot of people, the, the idea of good news financially is foreign to them. They're used to getting the insufficient funds notice on their account. They're used to their account being overdrawn. They're used to their credit score going down and down and down. And it's never good news. And that's not what he came to preach to the poor. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. 
And, you know, people will say, well, no, he's talking about spiritual things there. Well, he goes on to talk about financial things. He said, I don't want you to be eased and other people to be burdened or vice versa. He said, I want your abundance to be a supply for their want. Well, how could you be a supply for somebody else if you don't have any abundance? You can't. And he goes on to quote uh, the Old Testament where it says, as it is written, he that gathered much had nothing over and he that gathered little had no lack. See, this is the first thing we've got to deal with. Does Jesus want his body full of lack? No. Does he want his body coming short? No. Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. God is not interesting in his children. Is not interesting. He is interesting. He's not interested in his children lacking. Proverbs 28, 27 says, He that gives to the poor shall not lack. Psalm 34, 10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 12 tells us to walk honestly that we may have lack of nothing. Why would God tell you to do these things so that you don't lack? In Acts 4, it talks about how when the church started out, they were generous with each other, they shared with each other, and as a result, there was none among them that lacked. Well, if God didn't start the church in lack and in shortage, why would he want his church to be in lack and in shortage today? He didn't start it that way, so why would he want it to be that way? No, it's not God's will for us to lack or come short in any area. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 8, we may get into this more in the other podcasts to come, but he talks about how he brought you through the wilderness to test you, and he fed you with manna, but it says he's bringing you into a good land, a land in which you will lack nothing. And he talked about how he, I'm going to bring you into beautiful houses that you did not build. And I'm going to multiply everything that you have. And down in verse 18, he says this, uh, but I don't want you to think that your power has gained you this wealth. And he makes this statement, but you will remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Now, we may talk about this more in the future. It didn't just say he gives you wealth. He gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with you. What's interesting is this phrase covenant, it's interchangeable with the phrase testament. Well, what is it that parents leave to their children when they die? A last will and testament. Well, a lot of people are looking to a natural will and testament to bring them out of poverty, <laughs> to deliver them out of poverty. But let me help you right here. The first foundational truth that will help bring you out of poverty is knowing God's will and his testament, his covenant with his children. He said, you'll remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. You could say his testament. What is this? This is God's will and testament for you. And it is the first foundational truth of you coming up and out of poverty is knowing he wants you to.